हेलो गाइस वेलकम टू द शर्मा शो दिस इज हिमाशु शर्मा योर पॉडकास्ट होस्ट सो गाइस टुडे यू आर गोइंग टू लिसन ऑन फाइंडिंग द आर्गुमेंट्स सो हियर वी गो वी हैव स्पेंड इनफ टाइम ऑन प्रीपोजिशंस लेट अस नाउ टर्न टू द सेवंथ रूल ऑफ एनालिटिकल रीडिंग व्हिच रिक्वायर्स द रीडर टू डील विद द कलेक्शंस ऑफ सेंटेंसेस वी सेड देयर बिफोर दैट देयर वाज अ रीजन फॉर नॉट फॉर्मूलेटिंग दिस रूल ऑफ इंटरप्रिटेशन बाय सेइंग दैट द रीडर फाइंड द मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट पैराग्राफ्स द रीजन इज दैट देयर आर नो सेटल्ड कन्वेंशंस अमंग राइटर्स अबाउट हाउ टू कंस्ट्रक्ट पैराग्राफ्स सम ग्रेट राइटर्स सच एज माउंटेन लॉकी एंड प्रोस्ट राइट एक्सट्रीमली लॉन्ग पैराग्राफ्स अदर सच एज Machiavelli hopes and Tolstoy write relatively short poems. In recent times under the influence of newspaper and magazine style most writers tend to cut their paragraphs to fit quick and easy reading. This paragraph for instance is probably too long if we have wanted to coddle our readers who should we should have started a new one with the words some great writers. It is not merely a matter of length. The point that is troublesome here has to do with the relation between language and thought. The logical unit to which the seventh rule directs our reading is the argument, a sequence of prepositions some of which give reason or for another. This logical unit is not uniquely related to any recognizable unit of writing as terms are related to words and phrases and prepositions to sentences. An argument may be expressed in a single completed in a single not completed but a complicated sentence. or it may be expressed in a number of sentences that were only part of one paragraph sometimes an argument may coincide with a paragraph but it may also happen that an argument runs through several or many paragraphs there is one another one further difficulty there are many paragraphs in any book that don't express any argument at all perhaps not even part of one they may consist of collection of sentences that detail evidence or report how the evidence has been gathered as there are sentences that are secondary importance because they are merely digressions or side remarks so also can there be paragraphs of this sort it hardly needs to be said that they should be read rather quickly because all of this we suggest another formulation of rule 7 as follows find if you can the paragraph in a book that state its important arguments but if the arguments are not thus expressed your task is to construct them by taking a sentence from this paragraph and one from that until you have gathered together the sequence of sentences that state the prepositions that compose the argument after you have discovered the leading sentences the construction of paragraphs should be relatively easy there are various ways of doing this you can do it by actually writing it on a piece of paper the preposition that together form an argument but usually a better way as we have already suggested is to put number in the margins together with one or with other marks to indicate the places where the sentences occur that should be tied together in a sequence authors are more or less helpful to the readers in their matter of making the arguments plain good expository authors try to reveal not conceal their thought Yet not even all good authors do this in the same way some such as Euclid Galileo Newton authors who write in geometric or mathematical style come close to the ideal of making a single paragraph or argumentative unit the style of your writing in non mathematical fields tends to present two or more arguments in a single paragraph or to have an argument run through several in proportion of a book is more loosely constructed the paragraph tend to become more diffuse you often have to search through all the paragraphs of a chapter to find the sentences you can construct into a statement of a single argument some books make you search in vain and some don't even encourage the search a good book usually summarizes itself as its argument develop if the author summarizes his argument for you at the end of the chapter 
or at the end of the elaborate section you should be able to look back over the preceding pages and find the material he has brought together in the summary in the origin of species darwin summarizes his or whole argument for the reader in the last chapter an entitled recapitulation and conclusion the reader who has worked through the book deserves that help the one who has not can't use it incidentally if you have inspected the book well before beginning to read it analytically you will know whether the summary passages exist and if they do what they are you can then make the best possible use of them by interpreting the book another sign of a bad or loosely constructed book is the omission of steps in an argument Sometimes they can be omitted without damage or inconvenience because the proposition left out can be generally supplied from the common knowledge of readers but sometimes their omission is misleading and may even be intended to mislead one of the most familiar tricks of the orator or propagandist is to leave certain things unsaid things that are highly relevant to the argument but that might be challenged if they were made explicit while we don't expect such devices in an honest owner uh, author whose aim in instructors is to nevertheless a sound maxim of careful reading to make every step in an argument explicit whatever kind of book it is your obligation as a reader remains the same if the book contains argument you must know what they are and be able to put them into a nutshell any good argument can be put into a nutshell there are of course arguments built upon arguments in the course of an elaborate analysis one thing may be pro, pro may be proven in order to prove another this may be used in turn to make a still further point the units of reasoning however are single arguments if you can find this in any book you are reading and you are not likely to miss the larger sequences this is all very well to say you may object but unless one knows the structure of arguments as a logician does how can one be expected to find them in a book or words to construct them when the author does not state them compactly in a single paragraph the answer is that it must be obvious that you don't have to know about arguments as a logician does there are relatively few logicians in the world for better or for worse most of the books that convey knowledge and can instruct us contain arguments they are intended for the general reader not for specialists in logic no great logic competency is needed to read these books to repeat what we said before the nature of the human mind is such that if it works at all during the process of reading if it comes to terms with the author and reaches his proposition it will see his arguments as well there are however very few changes we can say that may be helpful to you in carrying out this rule of reading in the first place remember that every argument must involve a number of statements of these of these some give the reasons why you should accept a conclusion the author is proposing if you find the conclusion first then look for the reason if you find the reason first see where they lead in the second place discriminate between the kind of arguments that points to one or more particular fact sets evidence for some generalization and the kind that offers a series of general statements to prove some further generalizations the former kind of reasoning is usually referred to inductive the latter as deductive but the names are not what is important what is important is the ability to dis- discriminate between the two in the literature of science this distinction is observed whenever the difference is emphasized between the proof or a proposition by reasoning and its establishment by experiment galileo in his two new sciences speaks or illustrating by experiment conclusions that have already been reached by a mathematical demonstration and in a concluding chapter of his book on the motion of the heart the great physiologist william harvey writes 
it has been shown by reason and experiment that blood by the beat of the ventricles flow through the lungs and heart is pumped to the whole body sometimes it is possible to support a proposition both by reasoning from another journal truths and by offering experimental evidences sometimes only one method of argument is available in the third place observe what th- what things the author says he must assume what he says can be proved or otherwise evidenced what can what need to be proved because it is self evident he may honestly try to tell you what all the assumptions are or he may just as honestly leave you to find them out yourself obviously not everything can be proved just as not everything can be defined if every proposition has to be proved there would be no beginning to any proof such things are axioms and assumptions as postulate or postulates are needed for the proof of other propositions if these other propositions are proved they can of course be used as premises in further proofs every line of argument in other words must start somewhere basically there are two ways or places in which to start with assumptions agreed on between writer and reader or with what are called self evident propositions which neither the writer nor reader can deny in the first case the assumptions can be anything so long as agreement exists the second case requires some further comment here in the recent time it has become common place to refer to self evident propositions to tautologists the feeling behind the term in sometimes one of the contempt for the trivial or a suspension of legal men rabbits are being pulled out of a hat you put the truth in by defining your words and then put it out as if you were surprised to find it there that however is not always the case for example there is considerable difference between a proposition such as father of a father that is a grandfather and a proposition such as the whole is greater than its part the former statement is a tautology the proposition is contained in the definition of the words it only thinly conceals the verbal stipulation Let us call the parent of a parent's grandparent but there is far from being the case with the second proposition let us try to see why the statement the whole is greater than its part expresses our understanding of things as they are and of their relationships which would be the same no matter what words we used or how we set up linguistic conventions finite quantitative whole exist and they have definite finite parts for example this page can be cut in half or in quarters now as we understand a finite whole and we understand a definite part of a finite whole we understand the whole to be greater than the part or the part to be less than the whole so far is this from being a mere verbal matter that we can't define the meaning of the word whole and part these words they express primitive and indefinable notions as we are unable to define them separately all we can do is express our understanding of whole and part by statement of how wholes and parts are related the statement is axiomatic or self evident in the sense that its opposite is immediately seen to be false we can use the word part for this page and the word whole for a half of this page after cutting it into two but we can't think that the page before it cut is less than the half of it that we have in our hand but we have cut it however we use language one our understanding of finite wholes and their definite part is such that we are compelled to say that we know that there the whole is greater than the part and we know it's the relation between the existent wholes and their parts and not something about the use of words or their meanings such self evident propositions they have the status of indemonstrable but also undeniable truths they are based on the common experience alone and are part of common sense knowledge for they belong to no organized body of knowledge they don't belong to philosophy or mathematicians any more than they belong to science or history that is why incidentally euclid called them common not- notations they are also instructive and despite the fact that loki for example did not think they were 
he could use no difference between a proposition that really does not instruct such as the one about the grandparent and one that does one that teaches us something we would not otherwise know such as the one about parts and holes and those moderns who refer to all such propositions are tautologies make the same mistakes they don't see that some of the proposition they call tautologies really add to their knowledge while others of course don't and that's it this is himanshu your podcast host signing off thanks for tuning to my podcast and i will see you later